one. Oh, we get to you eventually. Pre-game jitters all the time. Hey, it's the Roller Around the Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast, talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast, border to border. Uh, it's a special week, as all of our weeks are special, but this is a good one. We got some high-quality guests on tonight's show. We always have high-quality guests. Is anybody buying anything that I'm saying? Look, there are darlings in the vintage baseball community that come along when new clubs form. They are darlings. And we have one of those clubs that are the darlings of Midwest Vintage Baseball right now. Uh, I don't know if they like being called darlings, but that's a different podcast for a different day. Let's bring in my co-host, the Swamp Fox, Rudy Frias. Uh, Rudy, before before you say hello, as you cut me off last week, it was hilarious, by the way. Uh, our second guest uh, is the... Uh, the the gentleman who started up the Alliance Crossing Rails in Ohio, you know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent Barnes is his name. Is that correct, Rudy? That's correct. He's got stories to talk about insurance liability issues when somebody like you is up to the plate. So I can't wait to talk to Brent later. But right now, <laughs> Rudy, how are you doing this week? I feel like you've timed that phrase just as I took a drink and it almost came out my nose. I appreciate that. I can tell that's going to be the energy tonight, and I'm excited for it. Wonderful. Take this opportunity to go ahead and bring in our guests that you know very little about, because I always spring these guests on you at last minute. Go ahead. No, I'm so excited to meet my very close, dear, personal friends uh, (laughs) who I'm meeting for the first time this evening of the Georgetown Gentlemen from Kentucky. We have Nate, Dustin, and Tommy. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you having us. Now, hey, hey, it's good to be here. Uh, for the listeners out there who can't see what we see, it looks like Dustin is stalking a little league field. It looks. It, uh, it, or, I'm at practice right now, so yeah. <laughs> that's dedication. That's dedication, and it looks like uh, uh, Nate uh, has. I think his favorite team might be the Cincinnati Reds. I think I can tell. Yeah. Yep, big big bobblehead guy. Nice, I like it. We're gonna get into that later. Exciting. (laughs) And uh, and then there's Tommy, who I believe is the captain of the Georgetown Gents. Is that correct, Tommy? I am, yes, sir. So my first running and only running with the Georgetown Gents is I started out last year uh, taking the podcast down to where was it? Sharonville, uh, Ohio, I think. It was Herod, yeah, and uh, so the first time taking the equipment to go call some matches and everything, and uh, at some point the file got corrupt for their match. So the match that I called, the first one ever in Roller Around the Barrel history, never hit the air race, and that's that's too bad because there was a gentleman it, on it your club. It may not have been your file. It may have just been our players that were corrupt. I'm not sure. You You had a gentleman on your team that I was on the entire game. Uh, he had the right mustache, uh, and he was full of energy. Oh, that was Moose. Right, Bull Moose. Yes, Bull Moose, that's, that's right. exactly who it was. I rode him hard all game long, and then <laughs> the audio never, never came to light, so that's too bad. He would have been mad at me. Uh, guys, uh, good to he- hear from all of you. We're going to go ahead and, and point you guys out individually so we're not stepping all over each other. Uh, I want to start out with 
you guys had a match this last weekend scheduled for the Bluegrass Burns. We'll start out with Tommy. How did that go? Well, before we get into that, I, I, I did listen to uh, some of some of your episodes throughout the last year, but I have last episode I have to kind of blow your mind on something. Apple Jacks and Fruit Loops are the same thing; they just have different flavors. If you look at the the pieces of the cereal, no, it's the same cereal. I won't believe it. If you look yep. at the Apple Jacks, there's little chunks of apple. I swear there's little red specks on the Apple Jacks. There's no specks on the, the Mandela Jacks. effect. You, know, you, you, you think that, but there's not. I'm gonna it's the com- I'm going to compare yeah, this. Right. I'm going to compare this so much. Tommy, how did that match go this last weekend? Well, I was trying to avoid talking about that. No. <laughs> no, we went down to uh, Camp Nelson National Monument, which is a, a recently new national monument in Kentucky as well, uh, just south of Lexington in uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky. It was a, a Civil War camp, uh, and it, there's still a, uh, a large veteran cemetery there. And it was the first time they had ever hosted a game, and it turned out to be terrific. The the, the field is one of the best ones we've played on, to be honest. Um, and so we, we played the Bluegrass Barons. We were a few people short that day. Uh, some, some of our players coach Little League. We've got a player that coaches uh, actual high school baseball. They had games going on. We ended up uh, getting to the point that we actually had to put on Facebook uh, asking for, hey, anybody want to play and be our ninth guy? Uh, it, it worked out. Our, the, the guy that volunteered turned out to be one heck of a player, uh, and we've signed him up permanently. Uh, but we, we we dropped both games, but they were competitive, and it was our first outing of the season. It was the Barons' third or fourth, I think. So we're going to chalk it up to that, and uh, you know, if we see them again later in the season, it may be a different story. Yes, the guys, matches this early in the year don't really count, so don't Do worry. Any of them it. actually really count ever. Yeah, very good point. Tournaments, okay. tournaments count. Tournament games count. <laughs> Cup games count. Anytime there's a uh, some kind of trinket up for grabs in an event of vintage baseball, those games count. Uh, well, now, when that trinket is a bottle of bourbon, I will admit we play a little harder. Yes, yeah, good point. We all do. Uh, Dustin, let's move on to you. Two questions, Dustin. All right, let's do it. Question number one, on a scale of one to ten, one being the worst, the lowest, ten being the highest, what is the respect level for umpires and coaches in Little League? <laughs> Are you talking about from from the parents? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Seven? Liar. Good day. <laughs> that's, that's pretty high, Dustin. Uh <laughs> The parents in your Wait, league are very respectable. <laughs> I mean, I think that is true, honestly, in our league. Yeah, I think that probably is true. <laughs> uh, nice. Dust- Dustin, how did you come across the Georgetown Gents? Uh, Tommy and I actually um, have kids uh, that play in the same have, – have grown up sort of in this same baseball league on these fields that I'm standing mm-hmm. on right now. And so um, – uh, I know Tommy will tell you about more of the history of the Georgetown gentleman, gentlemen, but uh, I believe Tommy had the idea because of uh, our home field uh, was where uh, they had a vintage tournament every year. And Tommy thought, well, I think I know enough people to do it. And uh, I was one of, uh, one of the people Tommy contacted early on, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, 
So we met at a brewery with a handful of guys and it's just taken off from there. Yeah. That's usually how it starts. That's uh, that's wonderful. Nate, your favorite Cincinnati red player ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Good. That's an easy one. Um, Brandon Phillips, second baseman. Oh, okay. Uh, Respect. Very, very productive, but really good guy. Uh, I met him and he, he signed one of my Louisville Slugger bats. The thing I remember about him, before every game started, he'd go over to the first base sideline and sign autographs for what seemed like 30 minutes. He was just there signing autographs, doing stuff with the kids. And I just, I, I loved that part of it. Loved his game and loved his attitude. All right, well, we got respect for Brandon Phillips, so if you would have said Joey Votto, we would have kicked you out of the Zoom. Second question. <laughs> uh, Chris Sabo. I hear that guy's a real Chris asshole. <laughs> Nate, uh, did you play this last weekend? Yes, I did. I'd like you to rate your performance and tell us how you did in that match. Yeah, I was a little upset because uh, I, uh, I drove in our first run, so you're saying my RBI doesn't count because <laughs> – First games don't count. You took that away from me, Rudy. No, actually, actually, RBI doesn't count because RBIs didn't exist. So that's not even oh. a stat you should be keeping. So that's why they it doesn't exist. They sure uh, I, w- I would say I, I did pretty good. I got put in a uh, hot corner that is left field. Uh, so quite a bit of ball snacking on the palm uh, that really – it was really a bit sore yesterday. Um, also got caught in the pickle between first and second that lasted for about two minutes. That wore me down pretty hard, but <laughs> uh, you I, did, I did all right. You guys are playing by uh, – what rules did you play by this last weekend? 1867. Oh, so you were playing a fly match. Uh, Rudy Frias, take note. Two two clubs that were playing fly match this last weekend. You must be licking your lips. Let's go. Well, yeah, and none of them are in Ohio. So there we go. I, I think that's how we played most of our games, right, Tommy? It really is. I don't, I, yeah. I don't think we played one that wasn't fly, to be honest. You Bless know, your heart. You know what? Oh Rudy, they're just they're right across the border. It's not like they're on the other end of the country. Oh uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Well, you know, we sort of learned the game from some Ohio friends. As 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 they eloquently stated in the beginning of this interview, it's difficult to get people to show up to vintage baseball games. So you know, in, unless it's going to happen in like a five mile radius of where those people live, and then even then, it's a fifty fifty crapshoot whether they're going to show up or not. So, but you know what I did want to ask is if this was your first, did you have any like practice ahead of time before this match to loosen the hands up? Nate talked about getting taking some shots out in left field, or did you guys go out there cold turkey and make it happen? Well, we did have a, a practice um, one week ago that lasted about 45 minutes that four of us showed up for. Um, <laughs> that was, you know, 50% talking and 50% swinging the bat just a little bit. Uh, yeah. so, so for the most part, cold. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, 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 I empathize with you gentlemen. I've been trying to get my club to get to practice to just get the loosen the hands up because nothing ever prepares you for that first throw or that first hit right at you that you got to put the paws up for. So uh, we tend to take the Allen Iverson approach to practice. 
<laughs> right. Practices are just another event for players to not show up to. I think yeah. since these early season matches don't take part in a full day of baseball, they're just like single matches that don't really have stakes. Those are your practices. Huh? Mm. That's what We're going to count it that way. That's for sure. Well, the losing club always counts it that way. I hope the Bears are listening. <laughs> uh, Tommy, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a rundown of how the the gentleman from Georgetown came into existence? Sure. So uh, probably back about 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Uh, well, to start out with, we have a historic mansion in, in Georgetown known as Ward Hall. And the... We saved, I'm on the, the foundation that helped save the house, and it has surrounding 40 acres. We do the home tours, the, you know, the typical type things, but we have 40 acres, most of it, uh, you know, relatively flat, and, you know, it, it, it's a hayfield. So I'm, I'm flipping around on ESPN one day. I, I don't know if it was one, two, Ocho, whatever. And <laughs> anyway, I see a vintage baseball match, and I'm like, well, that looks pretty cool. And dorky at the same time. That's that's right up my alley. And I watched it. I'm like, okay, why couldn't we do that out at Ward Hall? So I talked to the the rest of our committee, who the you know average age was probably about 75, and they they seemed a little skittish at the idea. But like, okay, you know, it's not going to do any harm to the house. Go ahead and try. And I reached out, and I ended up getting connected with. At the time, they were known as the the Norwood Highlanders out of Ohio. And so they came down, and the Dayton Clodbusters, and this is 2010, had a really good game, had a good crowd. wasn't what I expected of a crowd, but they were excited uh, about the number of people we turned out. And so that just kept going on and on. And every year they would tell us, you ought to start a team here. There's a lot of excitement. You know, people in Georgetown seem to want to watch this. And I'm like, we're drawing 7,500 people. This isn't really impressing me, but okay. Well, then, you know, everybody had their pandemic project and uh, the pandemic hits and I realized I'm 43 years old. If I'm ever going to do this, this might be the time to do it. So I tried to call people just a little bit younger than me. Uh, and we ended up, we, we got nine people and then realized that to have a successful team, you really need more of like 25 to 30 people. And we all kind of reached out and uh, we got the ball rolling, so to speak. And uh, so this, so in 2021, the fall of 21, we played our first game. Uh, we waited for uniforms to come in and everything. So we just did a few, I think it was like four games that fall, just to kind of get our, our feet wet all the way. Because if we were going to embarrass ourselves mightily, we weren't going to do it in front of our friends and family to start out with. <laughs> um, but we did okay. And then so last year we played our first full season, and now we're we're starting off the second full season. Uh, you guys have a website that's, uh, oh, what is the name of that damn thing? It's, it, it's Georgetown. really difficult. Georgetowngentleman.org. <laughs> yes, I'm there right now. Uh, it, it needs updating. I well, apologize. that's what every vintage baseball club says when I say I'm on their website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pay more uh, attention to our social media. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dustin, when you first come across vintage baseball, uh, you guys, you said that you guys were friends and you kind of came into this all together and stuff. Did you actually see a vintage baseball match before you played a vintage baseball match? The first thing I saw about vintage baseball was like the Wikipedia printout that Tommy brought 
to that first meeting. That's what I. That's what I knew about vintage baseball. So, uh, how many? How long into your vintage baseball life did you actually see a game without being in it? How? Uh, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's very like yeah. Your first game was first, first game. game. Yeah, first game was our first game. <laughs> we might have no. We you know we practiced. We went out to a field and and practice, but I did not see a match until we were the ones in it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Nate, when you got, uh, Nate, did you start out with the club from the beginning? Yes. Yes, I did. I think, uh, I was one of Tommy's, uh, first text messages, which I'm very honored. <clears throat> when I first got that text message, I said, I was like, what? So I'm gonna. Are you, are you, being, are you being serious? And I said, if it if it involves baseball, I'm in, and I'm glad I did. Well, let me, Nate. Let me ask you this question, and I'm going to give the same question to the other two uh, gents. Uh, you guys practiced. You played in a game before you even saw how people who had been doing it for years have been doing it. Uh, what struck you the most when you saw other people doing it that you said, okay? Maybe I'm not doing this right. Oh gosh! See, just like just like Tommy and uh, Dustin, you guys bat me lead off too much. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm fast, but I'm not going to be on this one. Um, I think that the, probably the one that I noticed right away is <clears throat> when I played baseball in high school. I was all about. I, I wasn't a very good hitter, so I would be bunting, getting on base. And stealing, that's 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 what I did. I was I get on base and steal. So I was always asking about the rules. How many how many steps do I get off the bag? When can I steal second or third base based on how many times they bobble? Which, according to this past weekend, is still up for debate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I would say that part of it, the, the base running, uh, was something that that I noticed right away. And uh, to give to give Tommy a soft opening to his so you probably have to introduce that uh backwards swing that we always talk about that really throws me off <laughs> okay yeah, what's that what's that about yeah let's, let's tell me what's a backwards swing so i have no idea what the thing's actually called i just saw somebody do it in a, in a tournament in ohio uh basically as the pitch is coming in, you move back, move the bat across, and then kind of <gasps> oh, do like a bunt. Oh, I, I don't know what's called, but I you guys know, like, know what it's oh. official terms. Yeah, official that's that's a, that's a fair foul. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a fair foul. foul. That's a fair yeah. foul. So I was pitching that day, and some guy did it to us, and we were all like, just I mean, I mean our jaws dropped open. We, we, <laughs> we didn't even go for the ball because we didn't know what was going on. So See, I've, I've been, been good leadoff hitter. I've been that's trying to learn how to do that because, um, as these guys would tell you, my my batting is up. Uh, not the most spectacular. Uh, I, I figure if you start the team, they can't kick you off. Of. That's right. That's and you know true. what, Tommy? Tommy, the fair foul is uh, uh, is welcoming you into no, the community. No, you shut your Come mouth, Rudy. Rudy, you shut it your is, mouth right now. It is, <laughs> it is the, the hitter's. Uh, it's the perfect tool for a hitter. It it, it will extend your baseball life twenty years. Yeah. Easy. Well, I, I, I almost got one down last season, but it yeah. rolled just a little foul. And uh, but I'm going to get one down this year. I believe in you. Yeah. This is <laughs> the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, 
Gentlemen, when you listen back to this episode, the guest that's following you has a bone to pick with Rudy Frias about this very subject. You see, there's something about a family of four sitting down the third baseline that Rudy Frias loves to do a fair foul at. And we're going to talk liability in the next <laughs> in the next interview. But uh, uh, please stop the fair foul. Just No, oh, you stop it right now. It's a beautiful aspect of the game. It gets people talking, and, and, and it's a great offensive tool. It, gets, it makes the game spicy and interesting. But, Dustin, what about, what about you? And, and with the other two, they answered their question, what element oh. of the game did it take for you? Yeah, I, Dude, I know exactly. As soon as he asked the question, I knew exactly. Our first game, we played the Cincinnati Red Stockings, I believe, uh, in our very first match. And we hit every ball we hit was a pop fly to shallow center. And we're like, wait, this is different. Uh, not to shallow center, but every ball we hit was a fly ball to the outfield. It was like so easy to hit hit it, but it was just so soft and they were catching everything. It was like three up, three down, fly ball, fly ball, fly ball. And we're like, wait, there's got to be a different way of doing this. Because, you know, so it – Adjusting to the uh, the underhanded pitch and not hitting a fly ball, just it's not like a softball. You got plenty of room to run and make a catch, you know. Uh, and so that was the biggest thing. Our, our first game, uh, I don't know if we scored a, a scored a run, so we didn't. Uh, but I did. <laughs> now, to our credit on that, the, the game right before that, the Red Stockings had scored like twenty one runs, and we held them to nine. So <laughs> our defense was was pretty good that day. Well, but the, the thing that, yeah, the thing they said in the handshake line was, man, your guys' defense is great. Because they couldn't talk about our offense. Uh, now, before that game, we'd had five or six practices probably. And, and honestly, we we started feeling pretty good because we, we had some guys that were knocking it way out there. But we were thinking traditional baseball when we got to the field and realized there's not a fence. There's not a wall. It doesn't matter how far you, you hit it. Some guy can just back up. That's when we realized we had to change our strategy a little bit. <laughs> and then Tommy started with the fair foul. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Dustin, you look like a reasonable man that would never sink to fair foul. Uh, I would not. Absolutely yeah, absolutely not. not. So we can it's talk legal. like, we can talk like men right now. Um, uh, tell me, you said there was an adjustment from your normal batting that you've experienced in your life up until you play a 67 fly ball game. So you have to adjust, but then I'm sure you guys have, uh, partaken in 64 baseball. Am I, mis- am I correct? Have you played any bound matches? One. Oh, okay. So it's only been one match. So my question was going to be, how do you adjust now that you're, you're batting for 67 baseball and now you have to adjust to what for a hitter is a completely different game in a bound match. Let's talk about well, I, changes that you think you'd have to make the more bound matches that will happen in your life in the future. Oh, if that's to me, man, I have no idea. <laughs> it, I mean, I get, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Dustin, it's it's gonna it's gonna frustrate the hell out of you guys. I mean, <laughs> line, I mean, yeah, I guess you think line driving like just worm burner ground balls. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, being uh, I, I captain the Columbus Capitals, we're a '67 team <clears throat> stuck in a state that only plays '64, with the exception of uh, the Cincinnati Buckeyes, Red Stockings, and Columbus Buckeyes. 
So you, yeah, enjoy those line drive hits, guys, because they're, they're gone the second you cross that state line and go a little further north in Cincinnati, okay? But when you play a 64 game, you can lead off with Nate. You see, yeah. that, <laughs> that'll that actually come in handy, so keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, in a 64 game, Tommy, fair foul, still effective. All right. So yeah, there good. you go. Not effective. Never effective. Uh, Hey, Nate, uh, can you name a place besides your home field uh, that you have gone to and played a match at that you've really thought the venue was uh, spectacular? Well, uh, especially because of performance that day has a lot to do with it. I'd say, was it the Richmond battlefield, Tommy? That's right. Richmond, Kentucky. Yeah, so Richmond, Kentucky. Is it it called the, the Battle of Richmond? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the Battle of Richmond, I'd probably say, is the one that I've been to that <clears throat> would be the the one that that comes to mind there. First off, with the 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 field was really good for what we were doing. Relatively flat grass was relatively for, uh, forgiving, and the team we were playing, we we really wanted to win, and, and we did. Got the hoist the cup take some pictures by some cannons and the entire place was covered in civil war era, you know, tents, uh, vendors, people were wearing the, the outfits. It was like, it was like being on a Renaissance festival. It just fit perfectly. And then on the way back home, uh, we got to, we got to pass through a Bucky's. So I took some photos (laughs) in my Georgetown gentleman uniform with Bucky Oh, uh, nice. For some extra promotion, so it just—it was the perfect weekend. That to me, that's that's probably the best weekend I've ever had with the gentleman. And I'll add in for that game because uh, uh, I know you all know him well. But we got to uh, beat our friend and arch nemesis Yeti that day. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, first time I got to report an out against Yeti. Uh, we we thought he was human that day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Must have had the flu. <laughs> it only takes one and then you can tug on superman's cape all oh, you want you know dustin i need you to turn around right now and yell at the kids about slacking <laughs> just just give them a good yell like come on what do you think's going go. on here a circus <laughs> can't do it you're a coward me, dustin me, <laughs> no no you're it's a Dustin, it's okay to not yell at children. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> hey, Tommy, let me ask you this: um, you 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 dipped your toes in your first year with the schedule, right. and you're in your second full schedule. How many games are you scheduling, and and what are you looking for in an ideal schedule? So I, th- I think right now I don't have it in front of me, but I think we've got seven days worth of games, and most of those we play two games, of course. So. You know, we're looking 14, 15 games, something this year. Uh, this year, we've been fortunate enough to schedule more closer to home. Uh, it seemed like that first year we were going north of that Ohio River a little too much. Uh, so, you know, we're, we've got our home games in Georgetown, but once again, we're going to play in Richmond, Kentucky. We're going to play in Danville, Kentucky. We're going to play in Mumfordville, Kentucky, uh, possibly Augusta. And then we have been invited to uh, the Gettysburg tournament this year. So we're yeah. really looking forward to that. And then uh, ending up, uh, ending the season, we're going to Huntington, Indiana to play at the, the league of their own field against the Indianapolis Blues. 
Oh, that's amazing. You triggered a, a memory for me. I've, uh, I've been to Danville, Kentucky to play vintage baseball against the, against the Kentucky pioneers. I, okay. I will, uh, I say my father and older brother played. I was, I watched, but it was, Oh, that's amazing. That's a, that's a fantastic schedule with some really, really great, like, um, club memories like you're gonna like it gettysburg is whew, i can't stress enough gettysburg is an experience we've we've been told it's essentially the mecca of vintage baseball so we're you know we're, we're pretty pumped about getting the invitation even you know in our second full season that's that's pretty they're a great they're guys i'm going to tell you right now swan fox tells you right now check the time okay it's a little different energy but they're all fantastic guys like uh, there's a there's a, a Midwest mm-hmm. shock and awe situation where the Midwest clubs go out there and they're like, "Ooh, I didn't expect this." They're, it's a different energy, but they're all it's it's a fantastic venue and they're every club fantastic. Which brings about the question: Do, do you consider Kentucky Midwest? Well, listen, yeah, it, con- considering that we touch, we touch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the touch. It's that. It's that nice little river touch. It's our river, by the way. Oof. <laughs> uh, you were talking earlier about a match where you didn't have enough guys for, it and you put on Facebook looking for someone to fill that spot. So you're absolutely Midwest vintage baseball. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought Dustin was going to come back on camera yelling at some kids. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys, Not I just uh, I want to put it in your heads right now. 2024, let's get you guys into the World Tournament in Dearborn, Michigan. Huh? Huh? Sounds 1867 good. club, new club, little Greenfield you, Village. You, huh? you want the full vintage baseball experience. You got to do you got to do Gettysburg and you got to do. Well, you got to do Gettysburg, the Ohio Cup and the the world tournament of historic baseball as an as a 67 fly club i hope that the people in michigan are listening and they can uh, reach out absolutely uh, so you all share us an invitation and we'll try to make it happen we don't got that kind of pull <laughs> well rudy has a little pull i have no pull whatsoever uh guys uh, we thank you so much for for coming in and informing the people about the newest darling in the vintage baseball community. They've overtaken the Fillmore fun guy who were the darlings of the vintage baseball community. And then you guys took that from them. So a club everybody's talking about for good reason. Uh, Thank all three of you for coming in. We appreciate you. We appreciate you having us on. And we got more coming. We got more coming. I was about to say, Dustin. (laughs) Yeah. I I could go a full hour with you guys. And I, (laughs) I look forward to hearing, I want to do an update. Let's 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 check back in because I, I'm I'm excited for your guys' growth and and it was a pleasure to meet y'all. Yeah, you too. And sorry for being at practice. <laughs> oh no, no that's don't it. worry about it. Easily <laughs> the best location that we've had during these interviews. So. Yeah, we'll come, meet you guys. We'll come back to you guys in the fall. That's the closest Rudy's ever come to booking something on this show. So let's book it for the fall. Oh, We're gonna get oh, back with the Georgetown really? gentlemen. You can say that. We're recording. Everybody heard that. All right, fellas. Hey, you guys have a fantastic evening, and, and we'll see you down the road, okay? Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Bye, fellas. <laughs> Rudy is our next guest in. Don't let him in yet. Yes. He's here. Don't let him in. Well, I will not he can, let him he in. He can come in. He can come in, 
but don't give him volume. Uh, we've got. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. This is your Roller Out the Barrel news break for Sunday, July 6th, 1872. I'm Jonathan McClain. Dateline, Baltimore. The yellow legs of Baltimore faced some adversity this past Thursday in Chicago as their normal pitcher missed the game due to a thumb injury and their regular catcher was moved to right field with an injury of his own. Based on the score, you'd never know it as Baltimore rolled over the Troy Baseball Club 20-4. Mr. Fisher, pitching in substitution, was described as having a lightning delivery. In New York, the Athletic Baseball Club used two players from their old nine in a substitution role to defeat the Eckfords 16-3 in a two-hour game. Despite the 13-run cushion, only four of the Atlantic's runs were deemed to be earned. Perhaps the most anticipated game of the week was between the Cleveland Baseball Club and the Mutuals of New York. Cleveland had defeated the Mutuals 11-4 recently, so many were anticipating a tight match. Sadly for those in attendance, it was not to be. The Clevelanders were said to play a wretched game while the Mutuals were at their best. The game was so one-sided that all interest in the game among the crowd was said to be lost. Final score, Mutuals 30, Cleveland 1. In miscellaneous matters, East Coast residents are asking, Hot in here or am I just scared to death? 35 fires, none serious. 97 cases of sunstroke, resulting in 24 deaths. 27 cases of injury from firearms and fireworks. And a 98 degree temperature were reported. Even the game between the Arlington and Apprentice Baseball Clubs of East Baltimore was canceled due to the extreme heat. Likely not related to heat was Margaret Elliott choking her 17-year-old daughter to death. Elliott was deemed insane by a police officer who said, The guy we're looking for is nuts. I'm Jonathan McLean, <laughs> and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. Oh, that was your News Break with Jonathan McLean. Uh, if you guys happen to uh, be watching this on the YouTube channel, or if you head over there, I am sporting my brand new Die Hard shirt. I'll back up for a good view. You've got Hans Gruber. Ooh, yeah. You've got John McClane, Nakatomi. Yeah, it's the newest of my Die Hard collection, and it is not the last. <laughs> that I can say for sure. Uh, Rudy? Yes. We have a guest coming in. Uh, is there anything that you need to talk about before we bring him in? Um, that we uh, are, uh, I'm just going to keep teasing it. We're weeks away from the Flat Rock Invitational, buddy. And, and we're two weeks away. I know. I know. I still got to so buy exciting. my camera. <laughs> I, I, I'm so excited for this event. I was excited last year, just to be honest, because of the clubs. But now I'm even more excited considering what we're going to be doing at this event and what we're going to be producing for the community. I'm very excited. Oh, man. It's Michelle's going to get mad at you, Season. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, that, that season's already. <laughs> we're, we're well into that season. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> 
many things, many things take part in that season for that to come across. Uh, don't forget, Rudy, this is episode 189, so uh, we're coming up on 200 quick. That's your responsibility. Yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, I wonder what that's going to be like. I bet you are wondering what it's going to be. <laughs> Rudy, did you see uh, my wife? Oh, I sent that. I sent that video in the thing. Oh, my so, gosh. So as soon as COVID was over, I, I came down to Columbus for something. Do you remember? Oh, was it when we played? Oh, are you serious? We are played Pluggy. We played the Pluggy It team. was your inaugural yeah. Columbus, official Columbus Capital match against the, the that darling club up north here from Columbus, the, the Pluggy Town, BBC. Yeah, and I showed up and I parked in front of your house and I called you and I'm like, Hey, did you leave for the you leave for the game yet? And you're like, No. I'm like, Oh, you're at home? Yeah, I'm still at home. Oh, I gotta go. And I hung up and I walked out into your front yard with my speaker and played uh In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> All right. Because Michelle never listens and she'll never hear this. She was full on in her pajamas nursing our sweet beautiful daughter and she hears the music and the look of terror (laughs) that comes across her face as she's realizing what is happening she just looks at me as I'm about to walk out the door and says he cannot come in (laughs) (laughs) she would have said that even if she wasn't nursing but that's okay true good point (laughs) Uh, what a great moment it was. Uh, my wife and I often laugh at that video because she's cackling like a witch in the video. <laughs> it's the best. I've never been. Look, you, everyone knows how difficult everything leading up to that moment was in just our collective lives as a, as a world and as a community. I'd never been so happy. I, I laughed and laughed. I laughed and I cried. It was amazing. All right, it's enough of us. Uh, Landon always gets upset when I when I interview you during the show. It's his work. He hates that. He hates it. Let's bring in our let's bring in our guest, our interviewee, uh, Brent Barnes, yeah. the uh, founder of the Crossing Rails Baseball Club of Alliance, Ohio. Oh my gosh! What what is this? Good evening, gentlemen. Oh my god. <laughs> We're so not, we, we are not worthy of that setup, no sir. Way. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm sending I'm sending you guys the bill after this. <laughs> this is the most expensive podcast you've had in history. Uh, we don't make we don't make any money. <laughs> Rudy, he's gonna shut us down. <laughs> I think I think that means we have to send him the T-shirts and stickers that other clubs send us. <laughs> yes, so, that's it. That's how we get paid is in swag. <laughs> and now we just got to forward it to Brent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, Brent, you did a, a wonderful thing for me uh, as I go through and I book people for this uh, for this gig. And I ask sometimes I ask for information because you're not exactly all over social media like like a lot of people are. So uh, you gave me some good things here, and we're going to get into you. Uh, 
your baseball career from the beginning till now. We're going to get into everything, but I want to go and start off immediately with the thing I want to talk about the most. We just we just got off the line with the Georgetown gentlemen and how they were just recently introduced to fair fouls. And you have something <laughs> that you would like to talk to Rudy about. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly a fair or foul situation, but there's definitely a liability issue that you'd like to talk to Rudy about. So I'm going to go ahead and give you this time to talk to Rudy about this. Yeah. So if anybody knows me, um, obviously I'm an attorney uh, and I do litigation for a living. I do a little bit of personal injury and uh, all my teammates make fun of me, but I'm always, always worried about liability. Right. And, uh, Going back to, to Rudy, so very early on, probably in 2010, um, I'm arbitrating one of the, the games here in Alliance, and Rudy comes up, and Rudy, I don't know how old you were. You're you're probably younger than me, and uh, I'm, I'm arbitrating, and I don't know who the, the, the behind was next to me, but all of a sudden, Rudy, the pitch comes in, <laughs> Rudy takes a swing forward and then a swing backward. And he hit probably a 130-mile-per-hour ball that whizzed past my, my ear. I remember it was the craziest thing. You know, we played against some other clubs where they would kind of snap it on the ground a little bit and go a fair foul. Rudy takes a full-fledged back swing. And I never forget the sound, the the speed of the ball, and and the wind that I felt from it passing by my earlobe. <laughs> to this day, I from to this day I'm extra cautious as it relates to vintage baseball and and liability associated with it. So. Now, as Rudy was running down the first baseline, did he turn around and blow you a kiss and wink and just keep running? Or did he seem concerned he almost decapitated you? First off, it was foul, right? Because it did not. (laughs) It was a line drive. I mean, I think it landed probably 90 feet to 100 feet behind me. That's how hard it was. It was five feet off the ground, six feet off the ground and about... 130 miles per hour. So no, I I called it foul. Uh, I forget what <laughs> I forget what Rudy said or <laughs> I said. I don't know if this is a if I can swear on this, but I, I tell you what, I said something. <laughs> Did he go fair foul on the next pitch? You know, honestly, I don't remember. I I, I did. <laughs> Crazy about it was this was and Rudy can attest to this. This was back when uh, our festival, our, our our vintage festival event was was in conjunction with like this fire truck pump in. So there was like four to eight thousand people there, and I mean there's just all kinds of lives. There's just people everywhere. Some of which weren't even watching our game. Um. But, but how Rudy did not kill somebody that day, I, I have no idea. I'm lucky I saw my team, to be honest with you. <laughs> we have a joke on the show that I always say, if there's a family of four, 
Sitting down the third baseline, Rudy Frias will fair foul towards that family every day of the week. And it's not a joke. People think it's a joke, I'm saying. It's not. Number, it's he's number, like a magnet one. for families down the third baseline. Brent, number. you're you're an attorney. What is let's okay. It's it's a good story because nobody was hurt. But what are the liabilities of something like that for a club, for a person? Uh, go through uh, all of that for us. Yeah, so I actually researched it before because I'm actually the legal advisor for our, our community festival that hosts our vintage baseball tournament. So I actually had to, to present to them before what the liabilities are. So like with a normal traditional baseball game, I don't care if it's little league, high school, or professional, the spectators assume the risk, right? They know the game. They've seen the game. You know, there's not too many people in this country that have not seen baseball. So as a spectator, you know the risk of the game. The difference here is people don't know what vintage baseball is. I'd say 20, you know, 19 out of 20 people, you go up to them, what is vintage baseball? They have no idea what it is. So I think the liability would be, just the, the, the lack of understanding about fair foul that uh, that sometimes players like Rudy intentionally try to hit it at the fans. They <laughs> 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 want the ball to go that way. Where whereas you know, traditional baseball game, the intent is to hit it forward. <laughs> uh, I, the only way the, the best way I could compare the differences between modern day baseball and vintage is just picture the PGA golf course. And the intent is to hit the ball straight, but now all of a sudden the PGA player turns left, wants to fire it into the, the spectator. That, that's the difference to me. Uh, so, Brent, you were saying that uh, people. Uh, excuse me, sir. You need to allow me some time. Okay, to okay re- go ahead. Uh, I'm rebuttal, sorry. Sir. Yes, please. Rebuttal. Examination. Filibuster. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, number one, it's so good to see you, buddy. <laughs> I. I'm over here crying. I remember <laughs> what you were talking about. Um, and I remember feeling like, talk about like the sphincter seizing up when that ball whizzed past you. I was like, ooh, because it was exactly the fair foul that the gentlemen of Georgetown were talking about, Barrel Roller. I tried to get fancy than my normal fair foul, which I understand. But, um, I, I've got nothing. I honestly, the fact that you say I aim for families and, and I can't, I can't even, I can't even like the, the coincidence that I'm wearing my, my be kind, spread the word to end the word shirt. And you guys are talking about me trying to target families with my hit is hilarious and I can't get over it, but you've um, hit strollers. I you, have not. I have, hit, I have seen it with my own true. eyes. These aren't stories. I've seen you hit a true. stroller. I have hit one person <laughs> with a baseball, and that ball was hit into the outfield. I didn't know that there was a child sitting on the foul line in left field. I hit the ball in the air like a real person. And that's when I hit somebody. Okay. Uh, Brent, Brent, you were talking about how uh, baseball spectators are taking a certain amount of risk. They understand the game of baseball, so it's kind of on them. Now, there is an understanding that vintage baseball clubs are to have some sort of liability insurance for their club. 
Uh, do you find that to be a true statement? Yeah, I, I would recommend, I mean, I, I obviously practice in Ohio. So if there's people listening to this outside of Ohio, obviously I can't attest to that, but yeah, I, I think there is, I think the real liability uh, for a vintage baseball club would be for those spectators that are just there. They're at the venue, but they're not, they're not really watching it. So, you know, with any type of venue, um, vintage baseball is clearly different because, you know, we play in wide open areas, but there's sometimes events going on that are unrelated to our event. Um, and, you know, the example I gave you was Coconuts, who I think Coconuts now plays for Cleveland Blues, but back in the day he played for Forest City here in Ohio. And, you know, at that event I was telling you about, we'd have four to 8,000 people there with their backs turned looking at fire trucks. Coconuts would hit it, uh, you know, 300 feet foul, like not even uh, – but, but, you know, those, those spectators had their, their backs to the event. They weren't participating. So I think that's the liability, and I think all clubs should um, definitely carry insurance. The other one is, is um, and, and there's actually some case law on this with golfers about warming up. And I know in a lot of venues like the Akron Cup and some of these other tournaments, there's no, there's no restricted area between – home plate and the surrounding area where players warm up swinging bats. But, but the likelihood I think would be a, a little kid walking by getting struck with the bat. And that, that could be catastrophic for a, for a team. Cause I think that person would be liable. Um, you know, I think the club and the venue could also be liable. So, I mean, that, that could have a real impact on, on, on everybody. I am loving this like <clears throat> let me let me be completely honest like as a father i am like doing that liability assessment in my head every day like don't go near those stairs you're gonna fall down them stairs like type situation and so let me ask you this if so you, you you're in ohio and we have a couple of ohio teams that are listening how say a team wants to pursue this and get some liability insurance how would they do so uh, i mean i looked on the internet before i mean the vintage baseball association carries a, a pretty minimal policy it's not much um i forget what their limits are but a club can purchase their own i mean whether you have a vintage baseball club or or even a youth sports team I mean, anybody can can buy a policy um i i, I would want to make sure that you get you know at least uh Five hundred thousand to a million dollar coverage. Um, it's not much. It sounds like a lot, but you know most of those policies are going to run you maybe thirty to forty bucks a month. So you start, you know, if you have twelve guys on the team and everybody pays one month's worth, it's not it's not a lot. Now most homeowner insurance policies also have liability coverage. So I would have definitely talked to your individual uh, insurance agent to. to Say, hey, am I, does my homeowner's policy protect me? Because you may already have coverage. This is amazing. Like, you are co we are covering something that is rarely thought of or in, in even rare, rare talked about in the community. That's amazing. Thank I think uh, back when I was on Bay City and then I formed uh, the Frankenmuth Club, 
Uh, I think we went through a place called Sadler Insurance, and I think I don't know if that was just a Michigan-based company. Uh, they handle a lot of vintage baseball uh, oh, really? insurance. I don't remember what the uh, what the payouts were on that or anything. But uh, so why did I bring it up? I don't know, Brent. I'm going to give you one more scenario in this yeah. in this subject. Yeah, I mean, well, leave oh. me out of this scenario. Yeah. Well, I was going to say with any insurance. Policy. I mean, if we could get a group, well, I mean, it's obviously cheaper with the group. So, Brent, we have the World's Tournament in Dearborn, Michigan, every year uh, at Greenfield Village. Okay, now you stated earlier, baseball spectators, uh, they have a certain amount of responsibility. They understand the game of baseball. Okay, but you also said, but there's sometimes there's other things going on, and they're not exactly completely the it's not all on on them if something bad happens let me ask you this in the middle of a baseball game if a if a couple of people just i don't know meander onto the field and walk through the middle of the field during a baseball game because this happens every year at greenfield village where they just they're just moseying through the middle of a game uh let's just say it hasn't happened yet but let's just say the gentleman gets hit by a line drive in the head Whose fault is that? Yeah, so is the gentleman over 18 or is he a minor? He is. Let's say he's 70. Okay. <laughs> well, if you're confident. No, um, no I, I, think, I think the liability would be, uh, it really depends on what it is. Uh, depends on where he's at. Um, if he thinks that he's, you know, 300, yard, 300 feet away and Rudy's up, uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> but uh no i mean if, if he's like 200 uh feet out and and he's he's a, he's been there and he's been watching the game and he sees what's going on then then he's at fault there's no liability if if he's just getting out of a car in which he hasn't been there and he doesn't know what's going on and he started to walk across the field before the inning started you know, I'm, I'm giving you the the attorney answer here. I'm not sure. giving you the, the answer, but it really depends. And I hate to use that word, it depends, but I think there'd be no liability there unless there was just what, what you know, in Ohio, we call it extreme reckless or reckless indifference. So, Well, there's no parking lot around. There's just two baseball fields. So what you're saying, if I'm reading between the lines, because you are a lawyer, so let me read between the lines. Fire away, hitters. Uh, fire away. I think that's what's, <laughs> what's happening in there. Uh, Brent, we've, we've never met. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to meet you. And the story that I'm most interested in is I am with all of my, my guests that started clubs is you started, you founded the Alliance crossing rails. Let's go to act to the beginning. How do you come across finished baseball? And when do you decide that, that you're going to do this thing? So in 2007, I joined our local festival board. Uh, they needed an attorney. He just retired. So I, I joined the board and they said, we have this festival event that we've had for about 10 years now. It's called Vintage Baseball. And I said, sure, I'll take it on. And uh, lo and behold, um, I guess a local business owner in Alliance started the team about 10 years prior to me. Orders the uniforms from Vintage Baseball Factory, giving them a plug. And uh, 
I just went to the dry cleaners, picked up, you know, these 18 uniforms that had CR on it. And at the time, I understood that to mean Carnation Red because Alliance is the, is the home of the state flyer for Ohio. And uh, I simply just, uh, I said, okay, well, who do we play? What, what goes on here? And I just said, you, you invite players and you make this happen. So I just started inviting my family and friends and said, we're going to play a vintage baseball game. Uh, and then I reached out to, uh, I got a list of sort of teams that they had played. And one of them was the Canal Fulton Mules with Ed Schumann. And uh, I contacted Ed and Ed said, yep, let's play. And that that's how it began. Uh, I, I just played, I think we played one game that year in 2007. It was for our festival event. And uh, it was against, like I said, the, uh, um, the Canal Fulton Mules. And uh, from there, it just grew. I think the next year we we got ourselves a full schedule and just kind of went from there. We we chose the name Crossing. We didn't like the Carnation Reds because it was more like nine, you know around the turn of the century, 1900 was the Carnation. So we said we have these uniforms; they're really expensive. What the heck do we call ourselves with CR and and Crossing Rails is actually historically uh significant for for a so boy you got lucky on that one boy some cr words could have came up that you would have wanted to be carnation red uh <laughs> yeah. hey i always want to take go ahead go ahead yeah for those who don't know alliance is about halfway between cleveland and pittsburgh so a lot of people may not know where the heck alliance is but yeah we're halfway between pittsburgh and cleveland about 20, 20 miles east of Canton, Ohio. Are you guys playing uh, 64 and 67 at this time? Uh, yes. So there's another 67 club. Rudy, I always have to correct you. When you okay. when you okay. say Number no one. 67 in Ohio, okay. I always okay. say Hang Alliance plays 67. Okay. Stop. And, Stop. All right. Alliance started playing 67 when we started playing Alliance. Like, that's how they got introduced to 67. Like, we... I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, but you so can play them. Brent, Brent, Brent kind of just glossed over that he just kind of got some guys together and formed a club. <laughs> he didn't just kind of get some guys together. When we got to the field and saw Alliance, we were like, holy crap. Well, they're a football this team. Is the, <laughs> this is the second coming of the Claude Buster. We were, I'm not even lying. And if anybody else on the Capitals tries to dispute this, they're a liar. We were like, holy crap, these guys are going to kick our butt because they they only have one speed when at bat. Crush the ball. That's it. Crush the ball. Every single one of them. Even the littlest one with the biggest beard. That guy. <laughs> Just give Bark a hard time. Crush the ball. Like, you guys are like, I, I, I have been, you announced your presence. I believe they say with authority and you have maintained that as consistently throughout the community. And I cannot stress enough. Let me just do a plug for you here. If your club is looking for someone to play, you need to reach out to Brent and schedule a game with Alliance. They're not only are uh, a fantastically gifted club, but they're the one of the best bunch of guys you'll ever play against. You'll have a great time. And I, I mean, that's, you got really lucky. I mean, I'm just going to say, like, 
not only did you put together a great group of athletes, you put together a great group of guys, and and that's that's amazing. I appreciate that, Rudy. Yeah, we've been yeah we were sort of blessed because uh, my brother, who Mark Big Bad, who you're referring to, he's 13 years younger than me, so. Uh, we were blessed with all of my baseball friends and then all of his baseball friends. So that there's there's really been no de- decline in the curve, so to speak, for us. Um, not yet, at least. No, but, it's been consistent. It's been a little scary how consistent it's been. Yeah, we, we certainly have a good uh, time, and, you know, we, we love everybody that we play, so. Yeah. Uh, when, when vintage baseball players that put together a club and they start – kind of aging up to where they can't do what they used to do on the field. Uh, how lucky are you to have a younger brother and it's 13 years. It's not a year or two. It's 13 years. So then you have his whole group of friends to, to bring the age back down on the club and make you young again. It's like uh, you, you didn't, you just retooled. You just kept going. Yeah, but yeah, that's exactly what happened, and 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 it's sad in a way, and it's fun in a way. It's sad in a way that you know a lot of my friends, uh, you know, including myself. I mean, I don't make it to as many games now as I I can, and it's simply because of kids. Uh, you know, you get kids in in travel sports or whatever they like to do, and it takes your weekends away. So uh, a lot of my friends had to to stop playing vintage just because of their their kids and their, their commitments as parents. Um, so yeah, definitely having, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a brother who, you know, is 18 when I'm 31 was, was a big help. And, uh, he, he, he him and his friends are pretty good ball players, which has also helped. So pretty good. Give me but, a break. So, I mean, let's, so, let's, so now, I mean, we're sort of at like a barbell approach for my team. I mean, we, we have we have definitely some young guys, but some of the older guys have stuck around, and and we really don't have any in betweeners. I mean, I guess maybe me, but um, you know, but we we have a lot of guys, you know, over fifty as well. Well, but here's the thing. Let's just take a second and and to plug that um, <clears throat> uh, you gentlemen for uh, I, the last time we played the Alliance Crossing Rails and. Uh, they were the uh, NAVB champions. They we they took us to the limit and put together. It was like it was the type of match where you're okay losing because the match was so good. In Canal Dover, Ohio, uh, Sam and the Red Lakes put together a fantastic event full of concessions and fans, and it was amazing. And I couldn't think of a better way to end the season than with the Alliance crossing rails. And even like, even though there is that disparity between, you know, you, you, your young guys are getting older and your old guys are kind of staying old, but you still have like the ability to stay competitive. That's, I mean, you can't ask for more across, across the community. Uh, I mean, come on, let's not, let's not mince words here. The Alliance crossing rails are known for, for their high quality. Yeah, we'll definitely put on a good good contest with whoever we play. Um, some teams get more of us than than others, um, but uh, that event that you're talking to that was a great day of baseball. And Sam puts on a great event down there. We play down there every year, 
whether it's that or, or the, the uh, Canal Dover cup that he, he puts yeah, on. Yeah. Seems a great addition to vintage in Northeast Ohio. And I think that's the thing about like, sorry, Bear Roller, I don't mean to take over, but no, like, do it. Northeast, do it. North, Northeast, Northeast Ohio vintage baseball has such a rich tradition and history. I got to play for a summer as a Canal Fulton Mule, I believe, right before they played you. Like, my last summer with the Canal, my first and only summer with the Mules was in 06. And, but, like, the Mules, the Black Stockings, Forest City, like, Northeast, the, the Blues. Northeast Ohio has a rich vintage baseball tradition. And, and, and I love to see, I, I love to see when those clubs start to, expand a little more they get out a little more or more clubs come to them so they can experience what all of us in central ohio have been uh, lucky enough to experience yeah uh brent also the alliance crossing rails uh very successful at the frankenmuth vintage baseball festival i believe the first year Logan Bishop finished second in the Mightiest Striker contest, and I believe this last, uh, the last year of the festival, I believe your brother Mark won. I think he won the captain's match uh, MVP. Did he not? He did. Yeah, he was he was ecstatic about that too. <laughs> he was. Yeah, Mark's such a good base. Uh, Mark and Logan are both very good baseball players. Uh, Logan can hit the ball a ton. Uh, Mark can pretty much do it all, um, but yeah, I tell you what, yeah, that Frankenmuth event was was our the best event we've ever attended. I know Rudy, you put on a bunch for us, but Frankenmuth just kind of had it all. And I, I tell you what, our our guys just absolutely loved it. I'm gonna give Did you, you 15, that barrel roller. I'm gonna give you 15 minutes to knock that off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad it's over. But what a ride. Uh Brent, I want to go back uh to your very earliest earliest and let's not forget Rudy. I want to talk to him by the end of this. Uh he brought up a very important topic that you're going to want to get in on. It's where have all the vintage baseball tournaments in Ohio gone to? So he wants to we're going to talk about that later. But I want to go all the way back and learn more about you Brent as a child. I do you remember your first memories? And I'm not talking Little League. I'm talking, do you remember your first times going out and finding this game of baseball in the neighborhood with your friends? Um, boy, I don't know about that. Um, probably my earliest beginnings was my mom signing me up for Little League. It's, you know, showing up at U8, uh, hot stove baseball, uh, and some diamond in alliance, you know, coach saying, Hey, you know, here's your glove. I remember my glove wouldn't shut because it was brand new. <laughs> uh, not strong enough to squeeze it. Uh, you know, but, but those are probably my earliest days of playing baseball was just a little league. I, I'm the oldest. Um, you know, Mark, if you interview my brother, Mark, he's going to, you know, there's stories of me pitching to him when he was, you know, four years old. <laughs> yeah, Mark. That's why Mark's probably better than me. Is he had oh. an older brother, but uh, uh, but yeah, my I didn't have an older brother, and my dad wasn't really around when I was playing baseball too much. So I pretty much learned it with with a group of friends and uh, organized baseball. So, 
Uh, we actually are going to uh, interview your brother, and I believe we set a we set a date already, but I think it's in the fall. So we'll be circling around and covering the whole family. Uh, so you you're doing little league. How long do you continue to play in organized ball? Uh, I, I stopped my sophomore year of high school, so uh, just wanted to work, and uh, I chose work and a car over baseball at that point in my life. So played all the way up to sophomore year at Alliance. So how many years are there between you dropping a bat down as a sophomore and you picking up a bat as a vintage baseball player? Softball doesn't count, sorry. Uh, I, I never played softball. Um, uh, I would say probably about 10 years, about 10 or 12 years. Did you come across vintage baseball uh, and and you saw it and you watched it before you started thinking about this team? Or uh, you just picked up the program that already existed. You didn't even know vintage baseball existed. Is that is that right? First vintage baseball I've ever watched was when we played the game with Malfolk Mules. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, and what was – I was talking to Mark about this the other day. You know, Ed really shaped the way we played the game because they taught us. I mean, I, I remember my guys showing up. you got to remember, a lot of the guys were in the same position I was. They, they, they've never seen vintage baseball. Our event probably had, like I said, three to 4,000 people there watching us. And now we're in front of this large crowd. Nervous as all get out. We don't know what the rules are. If you know Ed, you're afraid that Ed's going to yell at you. (laughs) (laughs) If you say the wrong word or you do the wrong thing. So, I mean, my first game was literally getting thrown into the fire. And, I mean, to this day, I'm sort of cautious about, like, well, don't do this and don't do this. I feel like Ed's looking over my shoulder saying, you know, you know, do this way. Because Ed's more of like a historian. Ed likes to play the game uh, a pretty certain way. We, we've evolved from that a little bit as a club, but, but we're certainly having in our, our, our genes because he's the one that has sort of taught us it. Hey, you, had a, you had a great Yoda. You had a great teacher in Ed Schumann. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember like that summer, I don't know what I was doing, but I, 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 I was in my head a lot. I made a good play. Captain Ed thanks that said complimented me on the good play. And I legit said, thanks dad. I mean, Captain Ed, like, <laughs> like it. So yeah, every, every team probably has its own Yoda. So I, <laughs> Was, ours was Ed, so the Ben's listening to Ed's probably chuckling because he knows, you know, he knows some of the guys on my team, and you know, twenty years later, he's probably still laughing about it. And I, I think that's a testament to the quality, the longevity, the quality. I mean, the quantity of your club, like the the amount of time you've spent in the community, is that you've had the right teacher, you had yeah. the right introduction. That's that's fantastic. I'm really man. It's funny because Brent, I've known you for like, gosh, thirteen years, something like that. Never once had this conversation. This is amazing. Yes. 
Uh, you can go back in the archives uh, to everybody listening to this. Uh, and we have two Ed Schumann uh, vehicles on this podcast. We sat down with Ed at the Ohio Cup a couple years ago for a quick little five-minute. What were we doing, five minutes? We were doing two minutes. What eight were, minutes. Eight minutes? Eight-minute interview. I think Ed went long. And then we did the, the hour-long variety with Ed. Uh, so you can go back in the archives and find some Ed Schumann, which he's one of the most downloaded episodes of all time, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Brent, tell us about the Carnation Cup, where you play it, yeah. uh, you know, everything about the event. Tell us everything. Yeah, so the Carnation Cup is uh, a local tournament that we put on every July. Um, it, it's varied over the years as to what the actual date is, but in the last seven or eight years, we've, we've kept it uh, two weeks after the Akron Cup in a Stan Hewitt Hall in Akron, Ohio. So it's always two weekends after. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's we, we consider it probably a micro-tournament, meaning that there's typically anywhere from four to, to six teams out of ten. Uh, most of those teams are local. Um, you know, Columbus, Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh area. Um, we've gotten some from from out of state before, but it's it's just your run of the mill. You get you get kind of three games, and then we have a, a fourth game sometimes as a championship. Uh, typically played by eighteen sixty four rules. Um, we have two fields. We play at the Glen Morgan Castle. So if anybody on this podcast has ever been to Alliance, they would know it's it's a beautiful venue. I. I think we have one of the, the best fields uh, in vintage baseball. Uh, we have this huge, you know, 18th century, uh, you know, remake of a, of a castle that actually got imported from, from Ireland. Um, and it sits up above the field, and we actually play on the front lawn. And there's several ponds that are roughly about 320 feet. and Rudy's hit into them a couple times, but, you know, we like any other vintage event we or facility, you know, the rules we play is everything's fair. So we have great stories of, of ballists uh, running full speed in the outfield into the lake to get a ball. <laughs> You're talking the, the, the Pittsburgh Franklin left yeah. fielder so, did that. Yeah. So Rudy was, yeah, Rudy, you were there. That's <laughs> the best play I've ever – not only for our event, that might be the best play I've ever seen in vintage baseball. Uh, the Pittsburgh Franklin's uh, left field, or I think it was center fielder, a ball was hit into the gap. And back then, there was basically like shrubs or weeds surrounding the pond, just kind of overgrown. And uh, now it's all cleared, but uh, the center fielder for Pittsburgh went Full speed. I mean, when I mean full speed, I mean like like he was running from a tire. Um, and he goes, rough, the ball bounces, and then as the ball's going into the shrubs, which is immediately into the lake, he just goes right through the shrubs, right into the lake, a huge splash. Of course he doesn't. I don't think he got the ball. He did it. But – it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen because one, there's there's snapping turtles in there. Two, those shrubs could not; those shrubs had to have hurt. I mean, and this guy just 
fearlessly goes into it's by I wish we had that on video because that would be posted on any vintage baseball uh, website as one of the best plays, top ten plays of any vintage baseball player. So to come full circle, this was the at bat after I fair fouled that rocket past past Brent's head. My next at bat, the outfield had moved in. Ian said, "Hey, look at the outfield." and gave me my non-fair foul bat and said, hit it over their head. And so I did. And then he, I, I, he, I got a four-bagger, but the second we got, I got back in, he was like, that dude's in the water. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, he went, and this is how he referred to it, he went full dad and dove headfirst through the bushes, and he's in the water. It was <laughs> It was an amazing thing to see. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was the best play I've ever seen. Uh, scouting report out there for the whole vintage baseball community. Rudy Frias has a certain bat he's going to use for the fair foul. <laughs> come uh, on, come on. <laughs> you just gave that away to everybody. <laughs> no one listens. They don't care. <laughs> Brent, uh, I assume you and Rudy are going to go off on this little tangent for a little while, but uh, I, I am not familiar with this uh, subject matter, but you say that there's a lack of uh, vintage baseball tournaments in Ohio. Where have they gone? Uh, where have they gone, Brent? Oh, I guess that's a good question. So when we, you know, 10, 15 years ago, or I guess 10 or 13 years ago, um, you know, there, there was, you know, we tried to have more tournaments in Ohio similar to what you're starting to see in Michigan. I think Michigan's really become the place, uh, you know, for these type of larger events. Um, you know, besides the Akron Cup, and Akron Cup has turned their uh, event into a tournament. You know, I, I think they pull in about 12 clubs. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, the Carnation Cup, I wouldn't really call that a, you know, a tournament. You know, when you get four or five, six teams together, that's really not a big event. But, um, you know, I remember the Claude Busters used to have a cup, I believe. Um, Rudy, I think we, we did, you know, one of my favorite tournaments was the Battle of Ohio versus Michigan. Yeah. Um, I think we pulled in maybe a dozen or so clubs from the Ohio versus Michigan. And then I think we beat Michigan a couple of years in a row, and they stopped coming. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, uh, it just seems like, like besides the Akron Cup, there's really no – I mean, I don't think there's any other more than 10-team tournament in Ohio besides, uh, besides the Akron Cup. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's like – I mean, I think there's like the heart of vintage baseball that's more southwest. Ohio though because it's pretty much just those clubs but you're you're completely right I think that and barrel roller you can speak to this is that like when something is at, at stake when there is a cup when there is a trophy when there is some competition there is a um there's you get more investment I guess and I think that especially Brent I I don't know in Ohio like it's kind of turned towards more of the the cooperative educational aspect. We're we're not going to put that on it. Like we used to do 
I remember we did the battle for Ohio, which is where we would do, we'd have Ohio clubs. Um, it was, it, you know, it happened in 2019, Akron Black Stockings, congratulations. 2020 got canceled. 2021, we just couldn't find a venue. Like that was the most difficult part. And the other thing that also kind of throws a, a wrench in everything, I feel, Brent, I don't know if you've experienced this, is that teams don't like playing in October. Like, I think in Ohio, once you hit the Ohio Cup on Labor Day, everyone shuts down. And the investment, I don't know if it's like Buckeye football or NFL, but like people just aren't showing up for matches after that. Have you experienced that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's right. I mean, um, my guys like to play into the fall, but yeah, I think a lot of teams that I try to schedule with, it's after Labor Day, forget about it. And just don't even don't even try. So but also um, your parenting has to pick up after Labor Day because you've let your kids run rampant all summer, but now they've got this, that, and the other thing that you have to help with, you have to take them to. Uh, it's a whole different ballgame after Labor Day for parents. Yeah, school Sunday night becomes a school night after Labor Day. Oh, well, it, actually, in late August, past Labor Day. So, like, a Sunday evening, a Sunday afternoon vintage baseball game, whether you're the home club or traveling, you got to take that into consideration. I think it's, I think it's an element that we can we could bring back. It can happen. I mean, the Carnation Cup is, and didn't you all do? Don't y'all do like a pancake thing with the black stockings or something? There's like some kind of. Now we're talking. Uh, that's not us. No, okay. we uh, our, we play on uh, with the Blues up on Kelly's, Kelly's Island. That's what you, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, from the from the competition standpoint, I think the tournament's out, but then also just bringing in publicity for vintage baseball. I mean, Ohio Ohio needs more vintage baseball players. We just do. I mean, wow. besides us and a few, it's it's we we need more people playing this game. I True. completely disagree. <laughs> I think Ohio has 30 to 35 vintage baseball clubs. I think you need to drop some of those out, get the numbers stronger on the teams that exist and can maintain a season, and then you can yeah. have all these tournaments in the world that you want. I don't think I don't think Brent's talking about like <laughs> more clubs. I think it's about get those people on those clubs to play more. Like like that's what we're struggling with. Like we run into and just every club. We talked about it. Our our friends from Georgetown talked about it. How they didn't have enough people for their first match of the year. That's like right. it's about It's engaging. an easy fix. It's an easy fix, yeah. Rudy. Stop scheduling single matches. Make every schedule make every date on your schedule an event instead of a single match. Make Maybe everything throw a trophy in, in there. Make th- Things important again in Ohio, like with tournaments, they will come. But if you throw a single match on your schedule against Joe Blow team that you're not even familiar with, and you have to go on the road to get to them, and what are the stakes? The stakes is you got to drive all the way back home after the game. That's it. (laughs) And on Friday night, you got guys that are going, do I really want to go do this? I mean, it happens. Yeah. It's every team. It's every state. It happens all over the place. But what what can you do 
to where they're like, yeah, I'm going to play vintage baseball. And you know, you're right. And I want to bring this back to Brent here, but like uh, the blues and us, uh, the Blues and the Capitals used to do a champion. There was that one year where they won the Silver Bowl, and then we won uh, the World Tournament. And um, they were like, hey, do you guys want to do a champions versus champions match? And then we carried that, I think, for like uh, another year, maybe two afterwards. It was like, hey, let's just get together. We'll put local beer up, like uh, Columbus Brewing Company, Great Lakes, or uh, you know whatever. I think they had – I don't remember what they had. I think they stole some Omi Gang beer, but it doesn't matter. But it was like, winner gets the beer. And then, Brent, you mentioned Kelly's Island. Do me a favor and just talk to the people about the Kelly's Island match that you, you guys participated. Yeah, so since 2009, uh, the Cleveland Blues and us have played on, well, except for a couple of years, we played on Middle Bass Island, but it's the chain of islands uh, northwest of of Cedar Point out in the middle of Lake Erie. Uh, we've just made it a tradition in September, the last game of the year. We're going to take our families up there. They're going to take their families up there. We rent a house. They they rent a house. A couple, One of their players owns a house there actually as well. And we make it not only uh, an event where you get in the car, drive, play, and go home, but we literally party with them all weekend. And I tell you what, any club that has not done that, I mean, Frank and Move uh, tournament was pretty close because it was a multi-day tournament. Um, but when you're on an island and you have nowhere to go, that's a, you know, and, and what's great about an island, I mean, whether we're talking about Mackinac or whatever here, is you feel like you're in a different time period. So, I mean, we would walk to the game. You know, you walk, I mean, it's just, it just feels vintage and uh, it's just a great way to play baseball. Um, unfortunately, this year is in jeopardy because the field that we've played on, they're converting it to a little league field. So they're, no. putting, they're putting a fence up. So uh, Brian and I are certainly, we're, we're trying to find an alternate site. Oh. So we may have to move it to Middle Bass Island, which is that's the island we started on. Mm -hmm. Hard to get to. You got to take a couple ferries to get to it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a great event, and um, you know we'll have those memories for a lifetime. Of you know, I one of my baseball players proposed to his wife there on the shore of the island. I mean, it's that special. So. Uh, you know, my, my guys just love it. And it's just, but for vintage baseball, you wouldn't have that memory. And I, I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast that could say the same thing, you know, for something that, that happened to them. So, you know, vintage baseball brings some certain, uh, you know, life treasures to us. And, and the bit, Kelly's Island was one of them for us. Amen. Hey, Brent, you guys were in that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 with the Cleveland Blues, that uh, Deerfoot on the diamond. Tell us about that experience. So that was probably the, the most unique experience. So I get a call from Brian at the Cleveland Blues saying, hey, do you want to uh, be uh, the opposing team against us in this 30, ESPN 30 for 30? And I said, sure. Don't, don't, I responded immediately. Do you even need to ask me again? So 
you know, the, the date comes, I think it was sometime in August or, or September, but I said, well, how many guys do you need? And he said, you know, bring up, you know, seven or eight guys. And, you know, what are we doing? Well, I, I don't know. So we show up there and, you know, they got the film trucks, the film crews, they got the VIP tent with snacks and stuff. And I tell you what, we, we thought we were movie stars. Um, they had us do kind of all kinds of stuff. But when we got there, we, we didn't know what the, the film was about. You know, we're talking about vintage baseball and stuff like this. And it was actually a documentary on uh, Louis uh, Sokolexis, who is the first Native American to play uh, professional baseball. And the time period was around the turn of the century. And the film's uh, producer actually set us up on the field and did like real live over the hand baseball, <laughs> which was a little nerve wracking. But uh, so yeah, it was, it, we spent the whole day there kind of doing different scenes and different, uh, you know, shots. Um, and it, it aired, uh, I believe six months ago on ESPN. I think anybody can, can go on and look at it. Um, if, if anybody, uh, you know, watches Monsters Inc., I don't know if anybody's familiar with that movie, but at the end of the, the commercial, Mike Wazowski, you know, they, they're about to show his picture and, and it's like he's covered up by, by some, some word. <laughs> We pretty much have that moment. So we're waiting. You know, we have a watch party. We're sitting there watching, you know, you know, have probably 50 people at my brother's house with his big screen TV getting ready to watch this thing. And we kind of have that same Mike Wazowski moment where it's like, where are we? <laughs> it's like we did all, we did 12 hours of filming, but uh, a lot of my guys were, were barely, barely in the actual final cut. Uh, my brother Mark, uh, he's the he's the pitcher in the movie, the opposing pitcher. So he of got they choose him. You know, he has a beard and yeah, yeah. Of course they choose that guy. He pitched in college, so I mean he, he was sitting there throwing the ball, and you know he actually looked like a baseball player. Where you know they didn't want a a forty four year old fat attorney being. <laughs> I didn't look the rule. I, I didn't look the rule apparently. So. Uh, but no, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun experience. And, uh, again, it's one of those things that, but for vintage baseball, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh, Brent, you've been fantastic. Uh, are you, are, are the crossing rails at the Akron cup this year? Certainly. Yes. Yeah. We've been there every year. Okay. So yeah. come and look for us at the main field. Uh, we're going to be there podcasting all weekend because although we've come to the end of our time here, we still have lawyering and sailing to talk about with you. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll do a little a little part two there in person at the Akron Cup, and and that'll be fantastic. I can't. Uh, we just simply there was so much meat on the vintage baseball bone that we just. And I don't regret a single second of it, by the way. <laughs> I, that, that I wanted all of that, and it was great. Uh, but we've come to the end. But before we let you go, Brent, uh, if you ever listen to the show, we do a little thing at the end called giving you the old pepper. And I just give you some random questions, and you just give uh, some quick answers, and we just mow through these. Just a, just a vehicle to uh, get to know you a little bit better. Here we go. 
Brent, what was the first car you ever had? A 1991 Dodge Dynasty. On a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 being the most respect, how much respect do lawyers get? Three. <laughs> uh, about the same as teachers. Uh, Brent, you have three kids. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Liar. Uh, well, <laughs> they're not listening. Uh, <laughs> what was your first job? Uh, I worked in a pet store when I was 12. Uh, can I assume that you had the dirtiest job there is to have at a pet store when you're 12? Yeah, I cleaned out rat shit from case. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not cool uh what is uh something that's fun to do in alliance ohio that some people wouldn't know about fun to do in alliance uh oh, we have mount union university here university of mount union here so so what uh, you're saying watching, you're saying you're saying you don't have fun in alliance is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah. people usually the best thing to do is just to drive through it <laughs> uh who's the uh we we had this question last week who's the biggest drinking club you've come across in vintage baseball biggest drinking club oh um uh, the capitals can put them down and <laughs> in their youth when their wives would let them before they were wives. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the best superhero? Uh, I'd probably say uh, Spider-Man. What was the first concert you ever went to? Uh, Van Halen. I don't know what year it was. Was that Van Halen or Van Hagar? <laughs> Van Halen. Sweet. <laughs> uh, your favorite place to play other than home field? Uh, I'd have to say uh, Stan Hewitt and Akron. Uh, build your favorite pizza. Uh, I'll go with just any meat lovers, like pepperoni, sausage, bacon, ham, extra cheese, and maybe a little bit of jalapeno. What does the sailing or boating term aft mean? A-F-T. Aft, uh, behind. Have you ever had a near-death experience while sailing? I actually have. I don't know if we have enough time. Oh, no, do it. it. Yes, <laughs> do it. So, so uh, we were out on Lake Erie. I, I, I had a crappy outboard motor, and I put my sails up. We were ready to actually sail to, to South Bass Island. And uh, my uh, – uh, well, actually, I had several. I sure many, but we just got out into the lake and a storm hit. So I put the sails down, went to turn on the outboard motor, and the motor wouldn't start. So I'm sitting in Lake Erie with no motor and the inability to raise the, the sail. Anybody that sails would know why. I mean, when you get the wind was gusting, and you're not going to raise the sail under those conditions. So I just dropped an anchor out, and wife was calling the Coast Guard and 
they're asking for a mayday and I'm yelling no and their kids are down below vomiting because of the seasickness. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah, so uh, it, it was, I don't think that we are in danger, but uh, the other story I'll share with you real quick, because it's probably more funny, is uh, mm-hmm. um, the first sailboat I've ever gotten was when I was 16 years old, took it to a local lake, and I was in the middle of the lake, and I start seeing water go over my bow. And I said, that doesn't look good. And we sunk right in the, we, right in the middle of the lake. We went down. And here, lo and behold, I, I didn't put the plug in it before I launched it. Oh. <laughs> it was it was a, a stupid mistake. I, I was 16 years old. I almost almost killed myself in the middle of the lake. But uh, what, what ended up saving me was I didn't have a flare gun. I didn't have anything. But some local bo- uh, boater saw my cooler floating across the lake and and said that doesn't look normal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He followed the debris, and, and I was floating in the water, and he rescued me. So that's probably as near death as I, I, I've had. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping to get something out of the sailing talk, and oh, brother, did I. Uh, oh. Thank you so much for sharing uh, so much uh, with us tonight, Brent. What a great episode. Uh, uh, I look forward to seeing you at the Akron Cup. Rudy, uh, do your thing and, and say goodbye to our friend Brent. Brent, it's always a pleasure to see you, man. I, I thank you so much for joining us, and I I want to wish you all the best this season. And I can't wait to to see you see you guys out there. And uh, yeah, man, have a great evening. Okay. Yeah, thanks, guys. You guys are my friends. Take care. Take Bye-bye. care, buddy. Well, Rudy. If let me say this, if you listen to this podcast, look at, we're giving you gold people. We are giving you gold. What a fantastic episode week after week. Really since you've come on board. I mean, wow. Uh, the smile that I've had on my face during this, during both the Georgetown gentlemen and Brent, uh, founder of the Alliance Crossing Rails. Wow. So much good stuff. And you know Brent and the Crossing Rails, and there was a lot of stuff he said that you didn't even know. Yeah. Oh, God. Learned. I learned so much this evening. And it sounds like there's a lot more to learn because I am just made of questions after those sailing, sailing oh, yeah, yeah. stories. So, I can't yeah. wait to sit down with him at Akron cup. That's, <laughs> that's uh, part two coming soon. Akron cup. Uh, we didn't even get into the lawyer stuff and we, did? And we got oh, sailing. God. I mean, I got jaws questions. I need answered. <laughs> you uh, <would> be both. <laughs> uh, like you remember when, when she, rammed the shark with the sailboat and pierced it i mean is that no yeah that that happened it was offensive to me uh rudy good to see you again oh my god uh this is the highlight of my week look we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram uh we have a youtube page so you can see 
these interviews visually. You'll also be able to go see our play-by-play calls of of matches throughout the season. Uh, first date coming up May 6th at the Flat Rock Invitational. Uh, like I said, our, our videos are going to be like a, a cross between vintage baseball and pop-up video. So there's going to be <laughs> vintage baseball for those who want that, and there's going to be the other stuff we do on this podcast, which is getting to know people better. And uh, I, I'm i excited about that. I think it's going to be incredible. Absolutely. <sighs> this is the time of the interview where I hate saying goodbye because I know I'm about to turn off the phone and, and I'm done talking to Rudy because, you know, we shoot each other texts during the week, but we don't talk. I like to spring everything on Rudy so we get authentic, you know, he doesn't, I make fun and make jokes about how Rudy Frias doesn't prepare for the episode, but truth be known, he's not given the opportunity. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give him the chance to prepare, so it's just a little jokesy we do. I wouldn't uh, have it any other way. <laughs> uh, so, hey. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you share this with everybody on your club because uh, they don't know it exists. There's some of them that don't, really. Even the ones that don't like us. Some uh, There's other people that don't know we exist. So let's get this out there. And, uh, and if you have requests for interviews, uh, let us know about that too. And with that, I'm going to let Rudy say goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, for the Barrel Roller, I'm the Swamp Fox, and we want to tell you to keep it station to station. Station we'll to see station. You out in the field. We'll see you out there <laughs> in the field. Fair fall, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>